from the dark depths of Pinhead's Puzzle Box, it's the IGN Digigods. Digigods. So please welcome the kinkiest pair of sadomasochistic nightmares from another world, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Ah, uh, the great intros just keep coming. Bob. Cassidy Robinson. Thank you. Thanks, Cassidy. That's a please tip. Thanks, yes. Cassidy. What? Please tip, yes. Bob Bob asked Cassidy to please tip, or asked us to tip Cassidy. I don't know which. Did I just tip that? Uh, I don't know. Did I, did I just step on that joke? You did. That's okay. But It is I what w- it is. That's how polished this show is. But <laughs> Exactly. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, Oscar nominations out uh, last week. Yeah. A bunch of surprises, but I think it was a rather fair bunch. Yeah, yeah we talked really about it. really do. We had a nice little show, a little special show for uh, Stupid for Movies, so it's all good. I have to say that uh, mm. I'm glad that uh, Haley Steinfeld got nominated. I am, too. Best little Jewish girl in the West. I'm glad that uh, John terrific. Hawks got nominated. Elated. Couldn't have happened to a nicer foul. I don't know why... David O. Russell got nominated? I guess it's a redemption. He came back. He made a passable film. Yeah, actors like it. God, that film seems overpraised. I- I'll tell you, the one thing I'm glad is that Mark Wahlberg did not get nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, that, that would have been, no been catastrophic. Way. I totally agree. Well, Mark, you know, this is now February. February. You know what you that know, means. You know what that means where DVDs are concerned, don't you? Oh, it, it, what it means, not only DVDs. Well, but just everywhere. in general, everywhere. It means it's... Black History Month. Yeah. Right. Now, in the past, i got to say, we have really struggled. Black History Month is so wrongly exploited by a lot of the DVD companies. Uh, usually, Black History Month means it's time to uh, clear out the cabinet of all of those old Cuba Gooding Jr. movies that went straight to video. So you'll get, hey, you celebrate Black History Month with Boat Trip. Uh, and then while you're at it, uh, throw in Lilies of the Field for a little old Sidney Poitier. And it just feels so like, really? Uh, really? Uh, somehow that's not, that doesn't feel seem to be in the spirit of what the whole thing was supposed to be. Yeah, but, but boat trip. Yeah, boat trip. Whatever. But uh, you know what? We actually have a great selection of stuff today. I mean, a terrific selection of stuff. Much of it from PBS, some some re-releases and repackages and stuff. But uh, really, everybody has kind of gotten in on this, and I think in a very, very constructive way. So uh, thanks to everybody kind of finally figuring out what it's all about, we can have a very, very interesting Black History Month on DVD. So let me start by uh, congratulating First Run Features for a really smart move in taking four films from their Global Lens series for films from Af- really talented African filmmakers and putting them into one uh, single package. This is a four-film package. And uh, Global Lens is now releasing their own stuff, but several of their titles are still licensed to uh, first-run features. So they put Bunny Chow, Another Man's Garden, uh, Hollow City, and The Night of Truth all into one four-film package. And this is really great. Uh, Bunny Chow is uh, probably the best film here. It was made in 2006, in South Africa, and uh, it's it, it it's a really really cool film. I would also highly recommend uh, Hollow City, which is in Portuguese, and uh, that means it takes place in Angola, which is you know where they speak Portuguese, which I didn't know. But uh, that's all. That's set during the civil. It's it's kind of in the. Um, it's a it's about a, an orphan, and it's it's about the you know how you recover from the the challenges of war. Uh, Night of Truth from Burkina Faso, Another Man's Garden uh, from Mozambique. Really a terrific uh, quartet of films. And then we also have Of Boys and Men with Robert Townsend in one of his most affecting performances, I think, ever. You know, you wonder, where's he been, Robert Townsend? Robert Townsend is a real actor, and he's not playing all those silly parts that he was playing for a long time after he really hit it. So he's in here with Angela Bassett. And uh, this, is a, this is a really good family film set in the uh, west side of Chicago. And uh, that, I would say, is highly recommended as well. I was surprised how good this was. And I'm frankly shocked that it didn't uh, get any kind of serious release theatrically. Because they could have done some business with that one. And uh, then we got some, uh, some titles here also from the America's Music Legacy line. This is uh, released from music video distributors. We've got Dixieland Jazz... Soul and Blues, all of which are really good, but I have to say, 
Not as good as the title that I'm going to mention right now. Mark? This is Good Times. This is Ken Burns. Now, Jazz, the amazing Ken Burns series, uh, has been released before. It has been out for quite a long time, but it's getting a great... Uh, re-release and a push in uh, in conjunction with Black History Month for good reason, because frankly, Black History in America and Black History Month, by the way, is celebrated throughout the world. It's not just an American thing. It's it's kind of a global uh, celebration of anyone who has African roots, anyone who uh, has black African roots in particular, and it you know that diaspora goes to a lot of different countries. It goes into the Caribbean, it goes to England, it goes to France. So it's celebrated everywhere. But in the United States. It has really a lot to do with black history in America. And jazz is, that's the American art form that grew out of uh, black culture in America. And Ken Burns' documentary is one of the great all-time documentaries. It is massively epic. Uh, You could watch an episode a day for 27 years and still not get through it. Uh, Is that right? Yes, it is. It is a, it's a long documentary, but it's really good. I mean, you'll learn so, so much about it. It's terrific. Um, and, and basically how it, how it impacts everything, not just other forms of music, but how it is filtered into every aspect of American life. Cannot recommend it highly enough. This comes in a 10-disc uh, a uh, slimline, you know, slimline packaging in a 10-disc case. Really just it fits on the shelf beautifully, and you want to leave it there and pull it out and watch it every once in a while. It'll make you feel wonderful. This is the great American musical art form, not country music. And while we're on PBS stuff, uh, we've got an American Experience DVD here. Marcus Garvey, Look For Me in the Whirlwind. Uh, Marcus Garvey, a fascinating figure. known. This was done by uh, WGBH, known mostly for that his really outrageous outfits. But uh, this was part of the uh, American Experience series and looks at this guy who was one of the fascinating... Uh, kind of early civil rights figures. And, you know, not civil rights in the way that we understand it sort of from the era of Martin Luther King, but um, this guy was a Jamaican by birth, and he came here as an immigrant and um, had some rather aggressive and odd ideas, but nevertheless, without him, there would be, you know, he sowed the seeds for a lot of other ideas to come, and eventually the crazy stuff kind of got filtered out. But really a fascinating figure and an excellent, excellent documentary. So uh, that one actually is black history, as opposed to boat trip. Oh, I hit the mic. How about that? We haven't hit the mic for a while. Not for a while. We have become coordinated. Another excellent American Experience uh, title here is The Murder of Emmett Till. Now, this is getting a little more... This is, this is kind of, to me, what black history is about. It's about uncovering things that a lot of people didn't know much about. And uh, this actually is about an incident that took place in 1955 where uh, a teenage black kid kind of made a pass at a white woman in uh, the, well in the town of Money, Mississippi. Now, when you got a town like a name, the Money, Mississippi, that's a problem. You think? It can only end poorly. And unfortunately, yeah. it did for Emmett Till. Oh, yes, it did. Uh, this is one of the most tragic, horrible, and infuriating stories you will ever uh, see told. It's beautifully narrated by Andre Brower, who has a voice that is just blessed by the gods. Uh, it's it's amazing how well he narrates this. It's beautiful. Uh, definitely check it out. Another excellent American experience tale. Uh, also in re-release from PBS. This has been out before, but it's getting a big push again. Eyes on the prize. America's Civil Rights Years, in 1954 to 1965, and uh, you know has won numerous awards. This one's narrated by Julian Bond, civil rights leader and uh, politician. And uh, also part of the American Experience, although originally I don't believe it was aired in American Experience. I think it was made, it was, it was acquired by them. But uh, this is not as long as jazz, but it's still pretty long. Six hours, uh, but about the most comprehensive look at the civil rights movement ever made. This is like the deal. If you're, you know, what Shoah is to the Holocaust, Eyes on the Prize is to the history of the civil rights movement. And still from PBS is African American Lives and African American Lives 2. These are uh, both of them hosted by Henry Louis Gates Jr. And um, this, is re- this is a really fascinating and uh, kind of inspiring series. Uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr. is a uh, professor at Harvard. And um, what this is, this actually it, it takes kind of famous black 
celebrities and public figures and whoever else. And uh, they look into their kind of genealogical journeys and, uh, you know, where they came from, what their roots were, who their families were. And uh, it's, it's pretty – it's really quite fascinating. Um, you know, you learn a lot not just about roots in general but about DNA and uh, it's just really super cool. And, uh, you know, not my family but it's someone else's family. That makes it all our family. Aww. All in the family. I guess. Anyway, uh, I'm trying to roll through this as quickly as possible. Uh, in some of the same vein, uh, Henry Louis Gates also hosts Finding Oprah's Roots. Oprah merits not just a, a collection. She can't just be part of the uh, the compendium of African-American lives. She has to get her own treatment. Oh, she's so annoying. I know. And I got to say, it ain't that interesting. Uh, I like the, the compendium of all of these others, but this is 103 minutes of just Oprah. Now, Jeez. granted, God, you know what? A lot of it is replicative. Replicative is that even a word? I believe it is duplicative. Duplicative. A lot of it is duplicative of what's on the the other two uh, discs. This one, I ju- just feels a little bit too promotional of Oprah, as though Look, I'm more special than everyone else. You realize that every issue of the Oprah magazine has her on the cover. Has her on the cover. That's my that's my running joke whenever we go shopping. Um, and I usually get an elbow for even starting to say it now. But whenever we go shopping, I always say, "Hey, look who's on the cover of o- Oprah or Odin this this month." Anyway. And by the way, she just she just did this whole thing where she uh, she uh, admitted that she's got this half sister that she never knew about. It was a big and surprise, she, and she kept her in the basement. That's exactly. It's funny. First of all, uh, I wonder why she didn't save that announcement for her new network. You know, she announced that big. I know, f- she I know. announced that big family secret on yeah. her show, syndicated O-W- show. OWN. She really should have done it on OWN, which which could use the uh, which could use the use exposure. A boost, yeah. Well, as long as we're still with Henry Louis Gates, who is really a a remarkable scholar, uh, we have another five and a half hour three DVD the epic here, Wonders of the African World. Uh, which is great. You learn so much. You know, I've always said Africa is, it's sad that the continent is still so poor because it is such a rich continent in terms of history, resources, people. There's so much there. And, oh, way too uh, many corrupt governments for that. Uh, that's the problem. That's the problem. But uh, a lot of great things here. You uh, look into the history of the slave kingdoms. Uh, there's, a, there's a terrific one here on Volume 3, The Road to Timbuktu, which is, you know, one of these famous cities that is in the now negligible nation of Mali, but it was once an amazing kind of hub for trade and uh, and commerce. Uh, really fascinating. Uh, beautiful photography in the Swahili coast, Kenya and Tanzania, where a good friend of mine actually grew up. So this is just absolutely wonderful, and it includes a musical performance that, w- that were not in the original broadcast. Getting down to the end here. This is my favorite. This is my pick of the entire month uh, for Black History Month. Uh, Unforgivable Blackness, The Rise and Fall of Jack Johnson. This also is a uh, documentary by Ken Burns, but it's manageable. It's not endless. It is, only, it is a brief, super short three hours and 40 minutes in length. Uh, but the amazing thing is this is a story that a lot of people just aren't that familiar with. Jack Johnson was actually the first serious black boxer to have in, to achieve any kind of success uh, in the sport. And uh, it is, his is a, a fascinating, triumphant, tragic life. And, uh, you know, he, it, it's just, it's an American story. And it, uh, it is incredibly, incredibly touching. You have to see this. So I would say of, of anything I've talked about, if you've got to pick one, pick this one. It is a riveting three hours and 40 minutes. I know that sounds crazy long, but honestly, for Ken Burns, that's like a 30-second commercial spot. That's a great documentary. It is. It's a great story. It is a, it's an amazing story. Uh, and then Henry Louis Gates, once again, this, we just cannot get away from this guy, uh, hosts America Beyond the Color Line. And, uh, you know, race has become a real big issue since the Obama election. And in a weird way, um, it's, it's almost started to get tense again, you know? Uh, a lot of people have made race an issue, sometimes where it should be, sometimes where it shouldn't be. But you know what? Better to just talk about it, get it out in the open. And um, 
this is uh, this was done after Wonders of the African World, and uh, it consists of uh, Henry Louis Gates doing something a little bit similar. Rather than exploring Africa, he kind of takes the same analytical approach, and he goes to to you know the United States, to where you have these concentrations of uh, of black culture in the United States, very very different in the South from say some of the urban areas. And uh, he talks to prominent figures, you know, everyone from Samuel L. Jackson to Colin Powell to Jesse Jackson, Maya Angelou, and it is, uh, it is, it is powerful. It is illuminating, and it is thought provoking. And it is, uh, you'll learn something about a lot of these people and about uh, certain aspects of Black culture in different parts of the country that you never knew before. Getting into slightly frothier material, there is Soul Kitten's Cabaret. This is a uh, stage play by Nikki Gilbert that features Fantasia uh, and Faith Evans. And Fantasia, you know, she recently tried to commit suicide and obviously is uh, doing pretty well in this. I got to say it's not the greatest thing I've ever seen, but um, it's okay. It, it could have been worse. And uh, Fantasia's, she's decent. So uh, I'm going to recommend... Isn't she one of those American Idol winners? Yeah, she was an American Idol winner. God, I want them. You know, ask me how many episodes of American Idol I've seen. Probably as many as I've seen. Zero. Yep. Ditto. I've seen 15 minutes of one. Ditto. Neshoba, The Price of Freedom from First Run Features is a great documentary about the uh, the famous civil rights murders that the movie Mississippi Burning was actually about, which uh, in 1964 uh, in Mississippi, when the uh, the uh, three civil rights workers, uh, two white and one black, were just, they disappeared and uh, turned up brutally murdered. It is, um, it is ultimately the story of how the murderer, Edgar Ray Killen, was brought to justice. Now, it, it's, um, it is a little bit scattered and sprawling but by design it eventually kind of gets its focus and uh, is just impossible to take your eyes off of but this guy Killen honestly uh, I, I, you, you just want to strangle him even the, sometimes old people you know young horrible young people who get old you just go you know what they're old leave them alone they don't know what they're they're, they're demented they've lost it this guy is just he gets worse he is such a horrible old man you just want to beat him with a pipe here's the problem you with really old people. do old people should be killed. Because here's what happens with old people. Old people don't care about anybody other than their grandchildren. I mean, literally, they will, they will smoke in front of an eight-year-old. They will say whatever they want. I don't know if it's because they figure that they're, they're dead soon, so who really cares? But they just become just unpleasant, intolerable. grumbly, old, intolerant I people. I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. I hear you. The Lena Baker story. Uh, you know what? I had never heard of Lena Baker. And uh, it, it is just unbelievable. This is uh, the only woman ever put to death by electric chair in Georgia. And the tragic part of it is she was pardoned, like, decades after the fact. It's, it's, it's not a happy ending. Uh, or it's a kind of happy ending. But anyway, uh, Takina Arnold, Beverly Todd, Michael Rooker, Peter Coyote all star in this. It is... Uh, you know, made independently, not as uh, not the. Y- you feel like if they'd have had maybe another million dollars, they might have made it really, really hum. But that being said, uh, Ralph Wilcox, who wrote and directed it, just uh, does a real number on it—a very, very good job. And uh, definitely check this out. This is an, a very, very important piece of history, quite well dramatized. I do definitely recommend that. And then coming down to the end here, we have got Mama Flora's family, a great performance by Cicely Tyson in an otherwise kind of uh, so-so film. Um, you know, too many, too many familiar faces that just sort of don't seem to belong here. Uh, Blair Underwood, Queen Latifah, and Mario Van Peebles all sort of orbit Cicely Tyson in what is clearly a role that was practically written for her. Uh, it's based on a novel that was co-written by Alex Haley, uh, and uh, it's kind of a, you know, it's sort of a tour of a particular time and place in black history in the South through the life of this one woman, this very strong matriarchal figure. And, uh, you know, it could have been better, but um, Cicely Tyson is really just a lovely lady. My look, mother used to see her at the bank. Look, can I say something? Here um, are a couple of African-American performers yes. who don't, are not uh, seen enough. Yeah. And I was thinking of this the other day. Hmm. When I was watching this uh, a high def live performance from right. Stevie Wonder, Stevie Wonder. Why were you doing that? 
Well, because he's Stevie Wonder. Oh, okay. But I'm watching this performance. I'm thinking like, Stevie Wonder, as amazing as he is or was in the 70s or whatever, he doesn't really make music that much anymore. Yeah, not, not But he's not still much. kind of Stevie Wonder. Like, you just think like if he would have come out with an album every five years, it, it would be amazing. People would, people would buy it. He doesn't record that much anymore. I know, it's true. Cicely Tyson? Not around that much. Yeah. Sidney Poitier rarely acts. True. I can't remember Sidney Poitier in a film, maybe like Sneakers from like 92. True. It's like the last Sidney Poitier film I can remember. Harry Belafonte doesn't really act that much anymore. All right. Well, anyway. Martin Lawrence, he acts a lot. Then that's a problem because he's not funny. All righty. Well, uh, I'm, here's something that is not necessarily about black history or even about the black experience in the United States, but White Wedding... Uh, oh, the Billy Idol song. No. This White Wedding is a film on Blu-ray from uh, the wonderful people at Image, and it's an awful lot of fun. I really, really like it. Uh, it's, uh, it's a South African film, and it's about a, a particularly troublesome wedding because there are there is a giant thousand-mile gap between the bride and the groom, and uh, it's threatening to sabotage the whole wedding. And then there's all this other stuff that gets in the way. And I don't want to give any of it away because it's actually a lot of fun, very touching, and oftentimes incredibly funny. But um, it's, you know what? It, usually movies about the chaos that precedes a wedding I find totally annoying. But this is really a lot of fun and very, very well written. So um, kudos to them. And then lastly, a movie I'm not that fond of, but I know some people are. So I'm going to put a little, uh, put a little hoo-ha in for The Great Debaters uh, with Denzel Washington and Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Which, yeah, it was kind of a, a ho-hum movie, wasn't it? You know, it just was... And, and I, love Denzel, I love Denzel Washington. I will watch that guy do anything unbreakable on whatever the this hell... This was his that directing guy, debut. Whatever the hell it is he's doing, I love it. This I was his directing him. debut. It was his directing debut, and uh, it was... It was it feels a little precious, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, there was this, and Antoine Fisher was the other film that he directed. Oh, that's right. That, that was his directing yeah. debut. This is the second one. This is one. the yeah, second one. Right. And this gets very formulaic, and you know, there's the big rousing thing at the end where like, the teacher, who was supposedly like, 100 miles away, somehow shows up to the, uh, yeah. the, the debating hall. Yeah. Um, it's, it's okay. Oprah it's was okay. a producer on this. Uh, now I hate it even more. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit predictable and formulaic, and uh, you know the usual. It's like it's like a little bit of Dead Poet Society in it, but not in a good way. Uh, still, I, it's on Blu-ray and it looks good. And uh, Weinstein is giving it uh, the old college try. So uh, it, it, it for Black History Month, it certainly is in the mix. So. There you go. That is probably the richest, best bunch of films that we have had for Black History Month in a long time. That was a lot of. That was a big portion know, of the show. There, Wade. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Yeah, I uh, I gave it. I gave it my all because I want. You know, we finally got a good bunch of films in, and I thought this this warrants a a good piece of the show. So let's get uh, get February up and running and give Black History Month some kudos. Mark, television. That's funny about Airwolf because you know. Um, oh my gosh. This is Airwolf season four. Now at this point, what I Why? guess just, you know, Jan Michael Vincent's long gone at this point. Yeah, it's funny because I, I just rewatched the original Mechanic with Charles oh, Bronson yeah, yeah, yeah. and Jan Michael Vincent in the Ben Foster role, or le- or maybe it's Ben Foster in the right. Jan Michael Vincent role. And uh, by the time season four comes with Airwolf, I mean, come on, dudes, it's over. Twenty four episodes. Uh, uh, yeah, don't, it, make, don't don't make me talk about this. You, you know, well, here's the thing. What I want to know is that you re, you realize that there were two helicopter shows on television at once. Airwolf was only one of them. The other one, do you remember? It was Blue Thunder. They had a Blue Thunder show. There was a there was a Blue Thunder TV show. Yeah, based don't you on remember the movie. That? Yes, I did it, not it, know that. It, but it did not succeed because uh, Airwolf uh, stole its thunder. And now, <laughs> get that. And by the way, Jan Michael Vincent, what happened to that guy? Oh my God! And didn't he have an accident that like ripped uh, his face up or something? He was like a motorcyclist. I think he had a horrible yeah. motorcycle accident. Uh, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, season four, volume two. Uh, you know what? This is the end of the show. Thank goodness. 
I have friends who just love this show because, you know, if you love Star Trek and if you love Lost in Space and all the rest of those cheesy... Lame. Yeah. Look, Star Trek's the only show from the era that's any good. All the Irwin Allen stuff blows. But I'll say this. Of all the Irwin Allen shows that blow, the one that blows the least is Voice at the Bottom of the Sea. I don't but, like the sea as a place to have a science fiction well, show. I, I didn't like the I didn't like Voyage of the Bottom of the mm. Sea. I didn't like Star, Sea Quest, whatever they called it. DSV. L- lame. Okay, I kind of like that show. Here's the thing about Voyage of the Bottom of the Sea: uh, Richard Basehart and David Hedison, very good actors, very good. They you know they pick up quite nicely from the movie that starred Walter Pidgeon. But the problem with this series, and you really get it in spades in the episodes that are featured here, because this is the, you know, anytime a show is, is on its last legs, they rely on the basically rehashing the cheesiest episodes from earlier seasons. Um, uh, the only good thing on here is, are the, like the, the cheesy TV commercials. The problem with this show is that every episode is basically the same. There's some kind of a threat. It's usually some kind of a subterranean creature or alien, which assumes the identity of uh, CPO Sharky, not the Don Rickles CPO Sharky, but the CPO Sharky on the show. And uh, then somebody has to crawl around in the vents of the sea view to get where somewhere where they can rescue everybody. That's like every episode. There's always somebody crawling around in the air ducts. This is ridiculous. <laughs> It's just insane. It's someone always crawling in the air ducts. You love that show. Yeah. Uh, Glee, season two, volume one. Glee is uh, the show that all the hip kids love. and Because uh, they sing on every episode. It's a phenomenon. Look, it's, it's a very crafty show because you get, uh, it's, it's, it skews young because it's about a Glee club. Mm-hmm. They update a bunch of uh, older songs from the 80s, so you might get some older folks watching it. And you can take all these singers on tour to play these songs live. So it's a very crafty little show, this Glee. And anything that gets Jane Lynch work is okay with me. I agree completely. Special features uh, include a uh, bonus song, the making of the Rocky Horror uh, Picture Show episode. Which is pretty great, i got to admit. Which that's one of the few I've actually seen, but that's really great. Uh, Glee at Comic-Con 2010. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's Glee. It's I'm cute. Kinda, I'm kind of creeped out by the whole fluid-tossing motif that, that has come to define this thing. Yeah, it's a little... Um, Overused. Overused and potentially can be construed in sexual ways. Yeah. Kind of. Okay. Uh, And then lastly, for live action television, yay, we got the Pacific on Blu-ray. Talked a little bit about the uh, DVD of it last week, but the big question with the Pacific always is, this is a show that was, they just shot the hell out of this thing on high def, but anyone who saw the original broadcast, you only saw it basically in 720 uh, probably 720i. It probably looked really nice, but how does that compare to seeing it in 1080p? Because if you want to see the Pacific in all of its incredible World War II beautifully photographed glory, the only way is to see it in Blu-ray. And I got to tell you, this thing is a stunner. This is just through the roof gorgeous. Um, it, it's obviously, some of it is shot better than other parts of it, because it is just one of those enormous, massive, epic achievements that uh, can't possibly be equally consistent throughout. But when this thing hums, it really hums. Uh, it is the the detail in every facet of this, especially the the exterior stuff, the really uh, the really epic stuff. You watch this on a great big, beautiful edge lit uh, LED backlit LCD screen, and your mind will be blown. This is as beautiful as anything you will ever put on that player. Also, in, uh, also features really, really first-rate audio. Uh, the DTS HD audio is, again, like the like the visuals through the roof. But this thing is six and a half hours long, so you got to set aside some time to enjoy it. Set aside some time, but it's uh, it is a good miniseries. Not great, not as good as Band of Brothers, but at this point, I say it's better shot. Wouldn't you? I would. Sure. Why not? Oh, it's almost Valentine's Day, Wade. Aww. So we have a Charlie Brown Valentine, fall in love with the peanuts. We love the peanuts. This is, you know, they've been putting out a lot of Charlie Brown specials lately that are just kind of the average ones, like, you know, uh, Why Are You at the Bus Stop, Charlie Brown, and, uh, you know. Don't put your finger in that, Charlie Brown? Yeah, exactly. Uh, this one is okay. There's a, there's a special feature on this. Um, it's a new, it's a thing called Someday You'll Find Her Charlie Brown. And uh, so you get that, which is kind of nice. But uh, look, it's cute. I wouldn't buy it unless you're a completist. This is definitely a cute little uh, rental for your Valentine's Day party. Lovely. Uh, some classic 
cartoon stuff comes in uh, these two. Well, we got we got a couple of them here. Actually, uh, two releases now from Warner Brothers. Uh, Looney Tunes Superstars is a new line with which they're trying to get away from the uh, the more completist collectors releases of the Looney Tunes shorts. And they just want to kind of give you a little taste uh, of some of these characters. So they have character-themed Looney Tunes Superstars releases. The two that we have here are Tweety and Sylvester and Foghorn Leghorn, each one with 15 shorts. And that's not going to be the end of it. There will obviously be more Tweety and Sylvester, more Foghorn Leghorn, etc., etc. So Warner's is experimenting with something here to sort of make this more affordable, probably for the Walmart set. Uh, This Tweety and Sylvester release is called Feline Fwenzy. (laughs) Feline Fwenzy? No. And uh, it, it, look, they're all great. What can I say? They're all great. There's not a single bad short on here. I happen to be a completist, so my feeling is give me everything. I want everything, and I want it in chronological order. But uh, some of my favorites here include uh, Tweet Tweet Tweety, Putty Tat Trouble. I can't believe I'm actually saying these title names. And uh, Room and Bird and Canary Row. Those are all just fabulous. Tweety and the Beanstalk is uh, a classic for many people as well. And then uh, Foghorn Leghorn, I just cannot get enough of him uh, with that stupid little bird with the big glasses and, and witter hen. Awesome. All those are just the best. That, that guy's like Einstein. He's designing rocket ships and amazing. Uh, all fouled up. Uh, Banty raids, strangled eggs, gopher broke. You get it? Gopher broke? That's good. Uh, and uh, Two Crows from Tacos, uh, all terrific. Once again, all terrific. You cannot go wrong with these. Just know that more will be coming. And then at long last, we have received something that has been desperately, desperately needed in the DVD world. Uh, they are real, for, for several years, Classic Media was in the process of releasing Rock and Bullwinkle and Friends in season sets. And they released a few seasons and then stopped. And people are like, where's the rest of it? There's a lot of Rocky and Bullwinkle still to come. Because this show was amazing. Everything about it, Fractured Fairy Tales and, uh, the, you know, the Wayback Machine and Sherman and uh, Dudley Do-Right and all that stuff. It was just amazing. Every, the, the, the classic stuff that came out of this show. Jay Ward, the creator, genius. Well, you know what? No more season sets. 100 complete bull is what it says here, the complete series that ran for kind of five and a half years-ish, uh, from 59 to 64. Um, absolutely terrific. 18 discs, almost 60 hours of material, all 163 episodes originally broadcast without editing. It is just sensational. Um, you got to get this. If you are a fan of any kind of classic television, great writing, you got to get this. Every episode of Rock and Bullwinkle and Friends ever. 18 beautiful, fabulous discs. And I am going to watch every single second of this for the next month and a half. Oh, I love this. This is a great box set. It was great. It was great. It's awesome. Special features include a uh, field guide to a moose, a squirrel, and a Royal Canadian Mountie. Special features aren't that great. Uh, Goof Gus Attack, which is an outtake. Um, and a special um, loyal viewer collectible, which I will not give away. All I can say, this thing is just... Awesome. Completely, totally, 100 complete bull. Awesome. This, this, this show started in 1959. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jay Ward was a man ahead of his time. Just the, the writing on this show is so smart. I mean, did the Twilight Zone start in 1959? Yeah, something like that. The thing about, the thing about Rock and Bullwinkle Friends is that it was great to me as a kid, and then as I get older, I look at the episodes, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's really smart. I never got that joke before. Let's see how that's right a really I clever. That's a clever pun. Oh, look at me, 1959. Bing, bam, boom. Beautiful. I'm smart. Oh, Mark, we got compilations. Yeah. Errol Flynn. Errol Flynn, one of the great uh, swashbuckling uh, stars of the studio era. He's got a uh, new box set, kind of a little mini box set uh, from the good folks at TMC, D, uh, TM, TCM, Turner Classic Movies. They do a lot of um, compilations. Uh, usually their ratio of bad to good or good to bad is uh, quite positive. Yeah. They usually put together good sets. Very good sets. We have from Errol Flynn, The Adventures of Robin Hood, Captain Blood, The Seahawk, and Adventures of Don Juan. Look, Adventures of Robin Hood from 1938, can't Captain Blood, can't go wrong. The Seahawk, uh, you know, it's okay. I mean, music's good, corn gold. 
Uh, Adventures of Don Juan is uh, a bit of a late career thing for him, but uh, it's still okay. Not bad. Uh, the transfers are fine. Nothing to write home about. But uh, really, you just want to see Errol Flynn swash his buckle. Oh, yeah. All right, Lassie. Um, Lassie, Lassie, Lassie. Lassie was a she. Lassie and the, was and, a she. And Lassie is Scottish. But she doesn't eat haggis. You know about you know about haggis. Have we talked about this haggis thing? Uh, Jesus Christ. Haggis is disgusting. I just found out what it is. Did if you really I were, not know what haggis was? I didn't. I just I thought it was some stew or something that they had in Scotland. I didn't realize it was like illegal in the U.S. and that Scotland is now lobbying us to remove the ban. That it was like heroin or or lead toys or something. See, but look, I mean, it's you know, it's 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 organ food, and I just think organ food's disgusting. But by, by the way, can I say something? Lassie doesn't eat haggis. Now, no. Now, Lassie uh, is a female on the show. Yes. But the actual dog who played Lassie was always a male dog. Really? Yes. You want to know why? Why? Because men are better than girls. <laughs> girls are icky. Uh, because men, uh, because men, because male dogs have a, a thicker coat in the summertime. Oh, that's interesting. Male collies have a thicker coat in the summertime. And of course, if you're okay. shooting a TV show and you want the big thick coat, see it on TV. Got it. And uh, that's why. So uh, anyway, uh, we have from TCM, uh, Greatest Classic Films Collections, Lassie. Lassie Come Home is, of course, the classic. Hills of Home, Courage of Lassie, Son of Lassie. The only, good, the only classic here is Lassie Come Home. The rest are just a uh, dog. Filler. Dog goes, <laughs> go, dog, dog goes meow, whatever the hell the dog does. No, but you get Elizabeth Taylor in Courage of Lassie. Huh? Get Elizabeth Taylor in Courage of Lassie as well, in you addition know, to Lassie Come Home. How, you know, they really need a... Um, I mean, Elizabeth uh, Taylor's uh, worth something. What happened to Benji? The Benji movies are terrible. <laughs> no, come on. Joe Camp, the original Benji, so good. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Eh. Whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, too funny. Uh, also from uh, TCM, we have two more from them. Jean Harlow. Now, Jean Harlow was an interesting uh, sex symbol of the 30s. No, she died at 26. Jean Harlow did. They, they all do. They all died at like those young ages. It's so tragic. Uh, Such a loss. She was really talented. She had a she had a really good run. I mean, she, her career her career lasted like less than ten years. Yeah. But in this TCM Greatest Classics Legends Film Collection, Gene Harlow, we get Dinner at Eight, Libeled Lady, Wife versus Secretary, and China Seas. China Seas not that great, but it does uh, it does have Clark Gable in it. Can't beat that. Dinner at Eight is of course the uh, the best one here. Oh my gosh, Dinner at Eight is so good. Uh, I like Libel Lady, which is with Spencer Tracy and William Powell. It's got a great cast. And White versus Secretary is like whatever. Yeah. Now, Gina uh, Harlow just had, she had that, you know, she was like the brassy blonde that was not like the other brassy blondes. And uh, really did, uh, gosh, what, a, what a career she could have had if she just stuck around into the 40s and beyond. Wow, too bad. That's real loss. Anyway, what's the last one? Last one is uh, terrific. It is um, John Ford Western. Now, John Ford, of course, is the uh, you know four-time Oscar-winning director, stagecoach, and the searchers. Only director ever to win four Oscars for directing. Bizarre, right? William Wyler was nominated more than anybody else, but John Ford won four. Four. He, That's unheard of. Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, How Green Was My Valley, which yeah. also won Best Picture. Ford had a huge, huge career. He directed dozens and dozens, probably over 100 films. Um and here we get from Turner Classic Movies Greatest Classic Legends oh. Film Collection set. We get She Wore a Yellow Ribbon with John Wayne, Wagon Master, uh, Cheyenne Autumn, and Three Godfathers. From here... She uh, Wore a Yellow Ribbon is really the, the, the great one there. That's the one. It won yeah. an Oscar from 1949. Three Godfathers, I'll pass on that. Cheyenne Autumn actually has a, has a good cast. Richard, Richard Widmar, Carl Malden, and uh, Jimmy Stewart. And Wagon Master is like whatever. But obviously, the, the the classic John Ford stuff is going to be the Searchers and Stagecoach. Stage Stagecoach is on uh, Blu-ray via Criterion. Uh, Searchers not on Blu-ray, is it? Not I to my knowledge. I think it is. I'll have to look at that. I'll look that up momentarily. It may be actually. It may be. I want to look right now. Yeah, go ahead, look that up. Uh, Roger Corman, we, we talked about a little bit on a uh, segment we did on Stupid for Movies. It is on Blu-ray. Week. Yes, that's yeah. I thought it was. Gosh, this is, it's just keeping track of this stuff. It makes my brain hurt. Uh, anyway, we talked about Roger Corman's uh, Little Shop of Horrors, which you can watch on Hulu free streaming. That was uh, something we mentioned uh, recently on Stupid for Movies, which you can catch at stupidformovies.com. 
most Thursdays. We're not going to be on for a couple of weeks, but uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks on Thursday, Pacific Time, 8 p.m., stupidformovies.com. But uh, otherwise, Roger Corman's cult classics collection, which is ongoing from Shout Factory, it's, a, it's really a great arrangement they made. You know, Corman has released a lot of his stuff multiple times and in terrible transfers. Finally got together with the people at Shout Factory who really, really know how to handle uh, cult stuff and collector stuff and genre stuff. They really do a great job with everything, movies and television. And um, this has been a great ongoing series. We have three double features and one triple feature here. The triple feature is Sci-Fi Classics, which includes the amazingly hysterical Attack of the Crab Monsters, uh, War of the Satellites, and Not of This Earth. And I'll tell you, War of the Satellites, I'd never seen before. Not bad. Uh, Attack of the Crab Monsters, just priceless. And Not of This Earth, of course, is... uh, Kind of a, it's sort of a classic as well. So um, you, you should definitely check these out. The guy that we had talked about, uh, Jonathan Hayes, who was the star of Little Shop of Horrors, is also in Not of This Earth and does a great job. And uh, you even get some other Little Shop of Horrors people in Attack of the Crab Monsters. So everybody from all these other, and Dick Miller, of course, shows up all over the, you know, the Corman oeuvre. But uh, these are these are all really fun films, and Corman just. Uh, has his mark all over these things, but Attack of the Crab Monsters, oh my gosh, what a great transfer, and what a hysterical movie. They, there's nothing crabby, well, there's something kind of crabby about them. There's nothing monstery about them at all. Uh, and then, as long as we're on the subject of uh, scary movies that are all kind of uh, sort of Jaws rip-offs, uh, or which at least, uh, you know, a, a don't even, sh- they're all shameless in sort of being Jaws and Piranha rip-offs. They don't even try. Uh, we have a double feature of Up from the Depths and Demon of Paradise. And, I mean, seriously, look, the, the marketing, Mark, look at the two one-sheets that they use on the cover. It's just, it's classic. like... Classic, it's classic. There's not even an attempt. It's like, we, we know, we're, we're ripping off Jaws. Here we go. Wait, so you're saying that mm. Roger Corman ripped yes. off popular films by making no budget versions Correct. of them. Correct. Interesting. Up from the depths is just straight up jaws. There's it it's so similar there's no point in well except for the fact that it's not very good. There's almost no point in even mentioning it. Now mind you, not all of this stuff was uh done by Corman as a director. It was all done by Corman as a producer. Charles Griffith, who wrote uh Little Shop of Horrors and Bucket of Blood, directed Up from the Depths. That's fun. And then uh Sirio Santiago produced and directed uh, Demon of Paradise, which is just horrible. But uh, it's kind of a it's it's almost less a ripoff of Jaws than it is a ripoff of Creature from the Black Lagoon. But it's just it, none of it is any good. It's uh, that's sort of a that's kind of an embarrassing movie. And then the last two in this Corman bit, uh, cra- Crazy Mama with Cloris Leachman and The Lady in Red. This is all period gangster stuff. Now, The Lady in Red, of course, uh, stars the Remarkable Robert Conrad, once the star of the Wild Wild West on television, as Dillinger and Pamela Sue Martin as the famous Lady in Red. Uh, And uh, Cloris Leachman in Crazy Mama is just through the roof hysterical. Uh, Crazy Mama is about Melba Stokes, uh, who goes off with her daughter Linda Pearl and uh, basically become kind of a mother and daughter crime team after their uh, their little store is uh, is shut down, um, it's not a very good movie, but it's noteworthy only because of who directed it. You know who that was another one of those amazing Corman proteges. Oh yeah, it was um, it was uh, McGee. No, Jonathan Demme. Really? Yeah, Jonathan Demme, who wrote all those women in prison films for Corman as well. Uh, amazing. Anyway, Lady in Red was directed by Louis Teague, who would go on to do the amazing Oscar-winning Alligator. Wait a minute, that didn't win any Oscars. Right, wait, seriously, are there yeah. any new movies? Uh, yeah, the last one, is, as long as we're on the female gangster thing, uh, Big Bad Mama and Big Bad Mama 2, both with Angie Dickinson. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of these movies. Some people love them. But Angie Dickinson is always worth a look, especially when she was in her prime. So, uh, yeah, you might want to check these out. Uh, Jim Wynorski, who directed Big Bad Mama 2, is, uh, went on to be kind of a culty guy. All right, Mark, we no, got... Do that and then do... Uh, there's well, got to be something on. good. Yeah, well, there, 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 are some, there are some good things. There's some, we got some good foreign stuff right here. You want to, Let's move into this. Thank you. You're welcome. 
Hold on. Try and do your favor, folks. Wade's gonna talk about junk for the next eight minutes. He's gonna he he just literally just puts his hand on a pile of DVDs well, and just starts talking. I wanted to delay some things because we have a giveaway this week, Mark. At the end, you finally say, "I didn't even know that." I know you didn't know that. Uh, we'll say we'll say it now. We have a giveaway. Uh, oh my god! And the giveaway is in conjunction with a film that we both loved this last year, Mark. Yes. We're fans of Let Me In, aren't we? We are. We like that movie a lot. It's out on Blu-ray and DVD this week. Let Me In, of course, the uh, remake by our good friend Matt Reeves of the uh, the Swedish film Let the Right One In, which is one of the most, both of them, really totally work in their own way. And uh, the Blu-ray is really spectacular. I got to tell you, really spectacular. And love the commentary by Matt. He uh, goes into all of the details about separating it from the original and uh you know what it, how he wanted to really treat it right it's it's a it's a good commentary matt is a terrific uh talker and does a great job here you really should only think about getting this on blu-ray i'm it's unfortunate it's not a blu-ray and dvd combo it's a blu-ray and digital copy combo it includes the limited edition comic book which is kind of weird uh but uh it is it is a it is a terrific film about kids and growing up that just happens to use vampirism as uh, kind of the vehicle through which it tells all of these, uh, it, it goes into all of this, set during the 80s, fine film. But we have a, DV, we have a giveaway, courtesy of the uh, wonderful people over at Overture, and it includes one DVD, one theatrical poster, and one mini comic book, which of course comes with it. So uh, we're going to give away two of these. And we're going to do a random choice. So uh, just send us your emails to gods at digigods.com and put vampire in the subject. Don't spell it weird with a Y or anything. Just V-A-M-P-I-R-E. Put vampire in the subject. And uh, we will, as long as we get the email by uh, February 4th, we're going to then do a drawing and we'll announce the winners the following week. This is a good one. This is a really good one. We not, good one. not only do we like Let Me In, we also were very fond of the after party that we oh, went to so good. after the premiere of Let oh, Me In. Oh, my gosh. Which was so at the good. Napa Valley Grill in Westwood, California. It was, good, it was a good screening, and it was a good, just, it was a good, good all-around vibe. Free food, Wade. Yeah. There was sure free was. food. Sure was. It's what really I care good. about. Really good. Well, anyway. Um, you really good movie. By the way, you know, the score for this was so good. It got no love Michael from Michael Giacchino, I know. Got no love. From anybody. The film got no love from the Oscars either. That's true. But Overture didn't really push it. They didn't push it. And now there is no Overture. Sort yeah, of. Yeah, true. Well, now, they're with, now they're just basically an arm of uh, relativity. I know. It's true. It's sad. Uh, let's see here. Mark, we got a couple of Criterions here as well. Yay. Yes, we do. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, yay? Oh, it's Fuller time. That's right. It's Fuller Time. Blu-rays of The Naked Kiss and Shock Corridor. Now, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There are also DVDs being released of these, and even the previous DVDs have all been fine. These are not sort of visual stunners. It's not like, oh my gosh, Shock Corridor, I wish I had that on Blu-ray. It, it, these, you know, Samuel Fuller in the 1960s was a pretty gritty guy, and these movies are fine uh, up-converted. You have a really nice system. Upconvert the old DVDs. You're, you're not going to suffer anything here. These are they. They look fine. But if you if you want to go get them new, fine. Go out get the Blu-rays. And they'll uh, they'll kick butt. Uh, the extras are not copious, but they are substantial. Um, probably the best thing on here, I think, on is on Shot Corridor, which is the um, video interview with Constance Towers uh, by filmmaker and historian Charles Dennis. Very, very interesting, very good, very insightful. Uh, and then there's also a uh, 1996 documentary on Samuel Fuller uh, called The Typewriter, The Rifle, and The Movie Camera, which is pretty comprehensive, uh, not as polished as I think probably is warranted. I think there's a better documentary to, to be made on Fuller and his contributions, but it's, uh, it's still quite good. I like Naked Kiss. Remember the opening scene of Naked Kiss with the, uh, with the prostitute? Uh, you know, it's terrific. Getting you know, it's like right. She's right. Her face is right up to the camera. Absolutely. I mean, that, the, the movie is about this prostitute who tries to go. To, she goes to this yep. little town to kind of escape her past. Yep. And of course, eventually, her past catches up to her. It's great. It's good stuff. Shot corridor. I mean, it's got a great setup where yeah. you get a guy who's in, who investigates a crime by. 
It's the but, it's the unwar. Is what I would call it. It's beautiful. He this guy investigates a crime by actually having himself committed yeah. to a mental hospital. And of course, all sorts of crazy stuff happens. Yeah, I uh, shot corridor. I I, I I like, but I really like uh, Naked Kiss. You uh, on uh, Naked Kiss, you get some interviews with Fuller from these uh, French television series, two different series, uh, and an excerpt from a 1983 episode of the South Bank Show, which is a British series that's de- that's dedicated to Fuller, but it's not a, not an interview with him per se. Uh, and then also some more Constance Towers stuff. Uh, but the the better stuff with Constance Towers is of course on Shot Corridor. And um, Mark Monsters, did you see Monsters? Uh, let me see. I did see Monsters. It's actually quite clever. It is more you know, clever than it has any right to be. Monsters was a bit of a thing at the um, at the LA Film Festival last year, and it sort of was trying to uh, it was trying to kind of was trying to kind of play off the success of District 9, which was the same kind of thing where you get a human interest story with special effects monsters that has, a, a, it's basically a social allegory. District 9 is much better than this film. In Monsters, there are aliens who have pretty much taken over a huge swath of uh, Mexico. And so these two characters have to are trapped and have to get home by going through this dangerous area back to the United States. So basically, it's an immigration allegory. Allegory, yeah, is what it is. The only thing I can I, I did like the movie. I think for a first effort, uh, it's quite good. The only knock I'll give it because I'm going to be a bit of a pisser is that uh, uh, the, there's a man and a woman. And they're the ones who have to cross Mexico to get back into the States. The woman is not very good. I did not like her performance at all. She uh, was kind of an amateur, and it kind of ruined it for me. Otherwise, uh, it's good. It's a good little movie. Good special features. Uh, There's a commentary with uh, Gareth Edwards, who is the uh, director. And, uh, you know, it's good stuff. There's a New York Comic Con discussion with Gareth Edwards and an interview with uh, the actors. And it's good stuff. Monsters is an interesting film. You should go ahead and rent it, it, that. It's a, it is a clever film. I mean, there's a lot of very clever... Uh, they didn't have a lot of money to make it, so they find some very interesting filmmaking shortcuts that I, I always admire in films like that. Speaking of, this movie, Adventures of Power, was something of a Sundance hit, and I want to make a uh, give a little boost to it because this thing is really unbelievably funny. Uh, not just because you have Michael McKeon and Jane Lynch in it, who are always funny, but... Um, the, the the whole concept of this thing is bizarre and weird. It is it like it's almost Forrest Gumpian in its bizarreness and its excesses. Even even beyond that, um, this is about a guy who like a miner who uh, loves playing air drums, and uh, he winds up obsessively falling in with the whole like kind of. Uh, it's like a it's like a subculture of people who are all into air drumming. It is it's just the weirdest, quirkiest, oddest, most hysterically over the top thing. It's it, there's just almost Do no I, way. To, it is really actually very very funny. Um, some interesting extras here, including some an interview with uh, Neil Pert of Rush. Oh, he's who's, the who's best. A, who's a real drummer? No, no, no. He is <laughs> oh, one oh, of I the know. best. Oh, I know, I know. He's legend. Uh, but uh, it's just very, very funny. I mean, you have to check this out. There's no way to to do justice to it. It is a funny, funny, funny movie. I, and again, a lot of these movies are just, I don't know why they don't get picked up for proper distribution. They need to. Speaking of uh, proper distribution, nobody ever saw Ray. Uh, yeah, except the people who gave it Best Actor. Exactly. So here's the thing, though. In 2006, Ray was uh, released on HD DVD. Remember those days? And now you finally have it on Blu-ray, and the uh, transfer is very good. It's a lot of detail, and uh, there's a kind of a very faint smear of grain, which looks terrific. And uh, it's got very deep, dark uh, blacks, and it's a very good transfer. Jamie Foxx won an Oscar for his portrayal of uh, Ray Charles. And there's a whole bunch of additional features, including an introduction by Taylor Hackford, the director, some deleted scenes, some uncut music performances, which are terrific, and uh, other stuff too. So, 
Ray on Blu-ray, totally worth it. Especially if you if you still have the Ray HD DVD. It is it is a very good film. It's not a great film, but Jamie Foxx is amazing in it. And uh, you know, Ray Charles' life is dramatized probably more than like not to sort of re- say this again, but more than it really deserves to be. Um, not like anybody ever thought he had the most dramatic life, but somehow Taylor Hackford makes it work. You know, it's not a great film, but it's got some great scenes. You know what is a pretty great film? Alice in Wonderland. No, not the Johnny Depp one. The Disney original, the animated film, which now gets its 60th anniversary release in Blu-ray and DVD in this combo pack. Um, I think of all the princess movies, the Alice in Wonderland is the one that is probably weakest for me from that era. I like Sleeping Beauty better. I like Cinderella better. I like... Uh, uh, obviously, uh, Snow White better, but still, Alice in Wonderland, perfectly lovely. We can't forget the Mad Hatter. We can't forget the Rabbit. It's it's indelible, extremely well animated, and like all the rest of these Disney uh, combo packs, they just blow out all the extras on here. Uh, most of it is just kid stuff, right? Interactive games and this thing called Disney View, and uh, a lot of it just feels like fluff. The uh, more interesting stuff are the pencil tests stuff on Alice Shrinking, which is, you know, a little uh, cool little animation demo. And uh, this thing, Operation Wonderland, which has been on uh, the disc before, but it's now in high def, so that's pretty cool. Um, and then we want we should talk for a second before we run out of time on the show about the Tillman story, which is on Blu-ray and DVD. We have it here on Blu-ray. And uh, Mark and I are both big fans of this movie. Uh, I don't think you have to get it on Blu-ray. I think it's uh, perfectly acceptable in any form because it's the content of this film that really, really works. This is the story of Pat Tillman, the uh, NFL star who, uh, in the wake of uh, the uh, of 9-11, he resigned from the NFL and uh, joined the Army to go fight in Afghanistan and, of course, wound up being fighting in Iraq and in Afghanistan and uh, eventually died because of friendly fire. It resulted in a scandal and his uh, family would not leave it alone till they got to the bottom of things. And this is that story. This is the story of an amazing family that will, that just would not let it go. And uh, it's produced by John Batsik, whose brother Daniel Batsik briefly ran uh, Miramax when it was still with Disney in the wake, you know, between the time that they killed it and the time that the Weinsteins sold it to them. Did you know that? I did. Well, I knew the name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Daniel Batsik ran Miramax right till it died, and John Batsik, his brother, was the producer of this. Terrific film, uh, amazing film, powerful film, needs to be seen, did not get an Oscar nomination. Mark? That is bizarre. Isn't it? We, we thought this would win. I know. And it didn't even get a nomination. We actually had this peg to win the Oscar. Yeah. Now, I guess Restrepo took its spot. That's what appears to be the case. Uh, only, only room for one war documentary this year in Restrepo, which is a good film still. You know, it's not the same kind of film, but it it, uh, it seems to have taken that spot. Now, Wade, we have a giveaway. Yes, we do. Did you uh, did you tell people vampire how they can win? Yeah, but but uh, do you have to be the fourth uh, emailer? The no, seventh we're we're, emailer? we're just gonna pick two. We're gonna pick two, and uh, we're gonna pick two winners. And you just have to get it to us by February fourth. So it, it's a random drawing. It's a random drawing by February fourth. Get it to us by February fourth. And uh, there are two prize packs, one DVD, one poster, and one mini comic book, all of uh, Let Me In. And uh, they will go to, we'll just randomly choose two people. And uh, we'll have the lovely people over at Overture send them to you. We don't have them in-house. It's just, it's all, uh, it's all up to Overture. Um, but that's, uh, that's our giveaway. And uh, email us at godsatdigigods.com. Put a vampire in the subject line, V-A-M-P-I-R-E, for those of you that might be thinking of uh, using a Y in there. And uh, we'll make you happy. Lastly, uh, before we run out of time, just want to make mention of three movies that are now on Blu-ray that have just sort of been spat out there by their respective distributors. Um, these are old movies, but they're all, uh, you know, it's library cleaning time. Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Uh, Mark, thoughts about Bad Boys with Sean Penn? It's good. It, it's a good movie, yep, but it is a good they movie. really kind of just threw it on a DVD without a lot of attention to the mastering. It's not a great transfer. You realize how uh, how long Sean Penn has been around? Yeah, my God! But it has Ali Sheedy too, and Isai Morales, who looks yeah. kind of the same. It's a good cast. It's you know, it's a good movie. And then uh, we have Pleasantville, which was directed by Gary Ross, which I liked a lot. Which is a is a pretty good film, even though it's just a flagrant Garden of Eden analogy or uh, allegory. Uh, the uh, Pleasantville is also a decent transfer, not a great transfer. Warner just kind of uh, blew this thing out, and. Uh, 
you know, it, 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 I wish, I hope they do something better. The commentary by Gary Ross has been around before, and uh, also a, a, an isolated score with a commentary by Randy Newman. None of that is new, but uh, we, you know, it, it deserves a better transfer. And then, as about as good a transfer as you're ever going to get is uh, you've got mail, which of course was previously done as uh, two previous films. There was Ernst Lubitsch's. Um, Shop Around the Corner from 1940, later remade as In the Good Old Summertime, which had Judy Garland and Van Johnson. And we get it for the uh, AOL uh, email age, and you've got mail. Uh, cute Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan. Not a great film, but, you know, perfectly acceptable on a, on a very rudimentary Nora Ephron level, if you know what to expect there. And with that, we are done. Come visit us at uh, digigods.com and stupidformovies.com. See you next week. Mm-hmm.